welcome to the Evolve to Succeed podcast. I am Warren Munson, the host of the podcast, where founders, entrepreneurs, business leaders and experts from a variety of sectors are interviewed to explore the link between personal and business success. In line with Evolve's principles, we also look at the importance of personal development, accountability and collaborative support in the pursuit of meaningful success. Through the insights of our guests, as well as my own business journey, the aim is to inspire you, the listener, to become better in life and in business. Welcome to this week's episode. Today, I'm talking to Sky Robertson, COO of Escape the City, a company whose mission is to help one million people do work that matters to them and the world. Since its establishment in 2010, Escape the City has created a global community of like-minded individuals who believe that life's too short to do work that doesn't matter to them or that doesn't make them happy. By connecting people to jobs and offering a variety of programs and courses, Escape the City encourages people to pursue their passions by giving them the support and resources to succeed. Before joining Escape the City, Sky worked at Startup Britain and the think tank Centre for Entrepreneurs traveling across the country, designing initiatives to help support entrepreneurial ambitions across the UK. She is also a business advisor on Facebook's She Means Business campaign and sits on the advisory board of the Entrepreneurs Network, a think tank working on entrepreneurial policy. So therefore, today's conversation is wide and varied, and you're going to hear some great discussions around the changing attitude towards careers and the nature of work, I think there's a huge shift, or there has been certainly over the last, I would say particularly the the last maybe five years around trying to do more purposeful work generally. So people wanting to do good in the world. As well as whether one can learn to be an entrepreneur or if it is part of someone's innate characteristics. I think it can always be learned. I don't know that I think everybody should be an entrepreneur. I think it's not for everyone. Running your own business, it's um, it's hard and, and you have to be willing for the challenge and it's, it has to be in service of something for you. You'll also hear Sky's predictions about changing career paths in the post-pandemic world. Since March, maybe February, a lot more emphasis on career change. So people asking about it, people reading, you know, articles about it, people engaging with, you know, workshops that we're doing. There's some great news and development of things going on at Evolve. We're running a business festival on the south coast in November. We've got a leaders lunch coming in October. And there's also great insights and everything you'd expect on our website, evolvemembers.com. So if you do want to be part of our community, go sign up for our newsletter, go and have a look at the services and other things that we offer at Evolve for like-minded business leaders, entrepreneurs, founders and business owners. But for now, let's just get on with the show. Guy, welcome to the Evolve to Succeed podcast. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, it's great to have you on the podcast. I left corporate world when I started in Inspire, my first business, with just me, a laptop, phone and a desk. So <laughs> I've been on some of the journey that you help and educate others to go through Escape the City. But for our listeners, do you want to tell them a little bit about Escape the City and what you do? Yeah, sure. So we um, so Escape was started in 2010. Uh, two ex-management consultants or two management consultants um, felt like they had 
they had done all the right things, you know, got good grades, went to good universities, got graduate jobs at good organizations and found themselves a few years in kind of thinking, um, is this all there is, you know, yeah, is this done me, right is this my and, existence? Yeah. Yeah. And just kind of thinking, wow, I feel like we've done everything right. And looking around at all of the smart people around them, just living for the weekend and yeah. feeling like there's gotta be more, more to life than, than all of this. So, um, we started uh, sharing jobs every week, uh, interesting alternative jobs people could do, 10 jobs on a Monday morning when people were most miserable being at their desks, and um, sent it to 50 friends who sent it on to their friends. And after a month, there were a thousand people getting the emails every week and have grown from there, really. So we've, we've just turned 11 in okay. January um, and have had lots of evolutions of the business and but yeah, on, on a mission to help people find work that matters to them and the world and um, really just help people find work that makes them feel alive, I guess. Brilliant. And I, I love your mission. Your mission is, isn't it, to liberate one million people to go and do the work they love. What a great mission. Yeah, well, I think it's uh, work is such an important work is such a big part of your life. You know, you spend more time at work than at home and it's um. Yeah, I feel like we do have to liberate people because people are feel get really trapped in um, mediocre mediocrity or or jobs that that are very unfulfilling for them. And so, what's the biggest challenge that you see someone you know that is kind of isn't sort of grounded down in the role they're doing? They're working in that kind of corporate world, and they think they want to do something different. They want to go and do something they love. But what's the biggest challenge that you typically see that individual facing, Sky? Um, biggest challenge. I think there are a couple. If I'm if I'm allowed to go through You're a, couple. a couple. Um, <laughs> great. I think one is identity. So I do think that a lot. I think the corporate world trades on identity and a sense of status and. Uh, easy to understand careers and professions and things that other people can understand very easily. And I think it, from everything that I've seen, it can be very difficult for people to step into the unknown and kind of step away from the identity they have as a lawyer or an investment banker or something that other people can recognize them as. And that really, and in a lot of cases, that defines their whole ego, their whole personality, doesn't it? Totally, totally. And especially if that's what your whole network is doing. If you are surrounded by people who are all in the same world, it can be very difficult to, um, you feel like you're an outsider. There must be something wrong with you. You know, you, why, why are you not happy with what you have? And so I think identity and kind of the identity shift is probably the biggest challenge that people have um, and why so many people stay stuck for such a long time. Mm -hmm. And the second one is not knowing what they want to do instead. So I think okay. there's a lot of, if not this, then what? And we're never really taught how to figure it out. You know, you, mm. you really young, it's what do you do well in, in school? And then you're on this path to go and do that at school or university or college or, or whatever you do. And nobody really tells you how to figure it out if you want to change, you know, parents and grandparents and historically people have had one profession for life mm. and this kind of reinventing your career and your life is is relatively new and i think that it's very difficult people don't know how to how to figure it out 
And do you think that's a generational thing? Because you think the people coming into the workplace now aren't expecting, are they, to have just one career and one vocation? They're thinking about multiple jobs. Whereas yes. perhaps, you know, I'm in my 40s, I left school, I became an accountant, you know, because I was good at maths. Um, yeah. It was maths and art, and I couldn't find a job as a photographer, so I became an accountant and worked that one out. And um but then I, that's what I've stuck at, really. You know, I'm now mm. doing the evolve thing. I've kind of ebbed and I've flowed a little bit. But I always thought I'd have one type of career. And yes. is it? So, do you think it is a generational thing? I think so. I think that if you think about people who are in their, you know, I think late sixties, seventies, eighties, who maybe retired when they were, I don't know. Um, in their 50s or whenever it might be you know they were probably mm. doing one thing for the whole time and and the expectation was to retire at 50 or 60 and, and that's what a lot of people did and so they actually had 25 years of working or something so they just did one thing and success was all about climbing the ladder and getting to the top and I think for people between I would say between the ages of probably 25 and 55 now are a kind of group of people that are in between it's like this middle group of it's not really the old world of working where you just had one career and it's not they're not used to the kind of multi you know portfolio kind of sense of it or the expectation that you'll change a lot and so they've grown up with the old world expectation but they're living in a totally different world so I think it I think it those are the people that yeah find find it the most challenging i think okay and of all the thousands of people that escape have helped is there some common reasons for them wanting to make that leap that change yeah i think the main thing is feeling a lack of purpose a sense of purpose so um most people who come to escape feel like a cog in a machine somehow so if they're working in a corporate then obviously feeling like they're just there's no real purpose of what they're doing or, you know, they could just leave and somebody else will take their place. And there's not really having a, a real impact in, in the work that they're doing. And then I think there's a huge shift or there has been certainly over the last, I would say particularly the, la- the last maybe five years around trying to do more purposeful work generally. So people wanting to do good in the world yeah. with their careers and people being very aware of issues and and wanting to tackle those things and wanting to feel like they're making a difference somehow. So I think that's the, the lack of purpose is huge. I also think um, uh, mental health, people's mm. mental health and how their work impacts their mental health uh, definitely has played a bigger and bigger part in the, the number of people that come to us or what they say, how well they feel, why they want to make a change. It's um, feeling like they can't be well with their, you know, in their work, burnout, endless hours, expectations. It's, it's, um, it's been hard for people. So I think those, those are two, I would say the purpose and like well-being, I guess, or, or mental health feel like they're really big drivers for people to want to do something else. And what's interesting, doing the research for this interview and this discussion, Sky, is looking at Escape's profile and what you do. It's not just about finding the jobs, is it? It's it's about putting them on programs so they can find themselves to and actually work out what, what is next, which I think is a brilliant concept. 
And I suppose the question therefore leads, and you've talked about it a couple of times already about purpose and meaning, is how does somebody go about, it's quite a big question, this one, how does somebody go about finding their purpose and meaning, Scott? <laughs> oh, yeah, that's a big question. Well, I think I think the first thing with, with um, you know, purpose and passion and all of that discussion is it's knowing that the vast majority of people don't have just one. And I think that's really important mm -hmm. because people spend endless hours, so much time, uh, trying to find their passion you know it's just like what, thinking it's just going to come to them one day and that's going to be great and really um what we find is that you know we're all we all have lots of potentials and there's probably lots of different things that could fulfill our needs and I think needs is the best place to start if somebody's not happy with what what their life or their job is doing it's saying okay well what what are the needs that I have that are not being met? And what what do I need to be happy in my life and in my work? And, and you, could, you can split that out to, you know, from an emotional perspective, from a financial perspective, from a, an environment, from a social, from an intellectual level, and actually just get a list of, of all of the needs that you have. And then think about what could I do that could meet my needs? Because there's always lots of different ways of, of doing that. And um, I think starting from that place means that people find um, find better answers and and paying attention to the clues around you instead of thinking, oh, you know, I've got to oh, I've got to find some, you know, new passion. And often we're already doing things that we're interested in. We got into the things we got into for some reason. So what's good about it, and all the things you've done, and what's bad about it, and what do you want to what what can you learn and take forward? Um, rather than thinking you have to start from scratch, you already have a lot of information. It's just using that to make decisions and to try stuff. And I think yeah. I'm really an advocate for you have to try before you buy if you're thinking yeah. about a new career path because you don't know until you do it. I don't. I didn't know I was passionate about football until I played football and I I played it and I liked it and I got better at it and 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 you know you become passionate about things rather than. Uh, just like finding it somehow you have to test to test yeah, there is out. No, very few of us have this holy grail do we and, and I like that principle of work out what your needs are and work out what meets your needs and I suppose that's it's a good hit hint and tip for anybody in life isn't it really just mm. to check in with themselves whatever they're doing you know yes. is what they're doing fulfilling their needs so yeah I can get that and I can understand that and I can and I can see that and is there a proportion what sort of proportion of people come to you and go through the programs end up starting their own business v perhaps find a different vocation is there a typical split um well so we have historically run both a career change program and a startup program and um obviously the people who come a lot of people go on to start their own thing or decide they don't want to have a business per se, but actually they'd like to be more freelance or have more of a portfolio career. But a lot of people have an aspiration to start a business. I think it's like 60% of people who come to escape think they might like to start their own business. And a lot of people go on to do it. Um, it's definitely, I think it feels more possible than it ever did before, which mm. is great. You know, the aspiration yeah. is there. It's just, how do you, how do you make how do you it go happen? About it? How do you do it? Yeah. How does it happen? And I, I suppose yeah. before the work, again, doing a little bit of research on you, Sky, before the work you did at Escape, you spent some time with the Central Center for Entrepreneurism. 
and Startup Britain. So I suppose a question for you is, do you think that you can learn to be an entrepreneur or do you think there's an innate natural kind of spirit, that entrepreneurial spirit that somebody has or doesn't have? Mm, it's a good question. I don't think, um, I think you can learn anything. I think any, I am, as an American, I think this is my, <laughs> this is where my American <laughs> self comes out. But uh, I always grew up with it, with a mantra that was in my head since I was a child that you mm. could be anything you wanted to be if you worked hard enough for it. Yeah. And I really believe that and I see that. And I think maybe there are, there are some people who maybe have more um maybe more naturally have some of the skills that you need maybe have a different appetite to risk maybe who are more creative or more willing to put themselves out there but I don't really think there's a typical entrepreneur you know you've got introverts that are great entrepreneurs you've got extroverts who are great entrepreneurs you've got people who um you know, have loads of education who don't have very much education, who are dyslexic or dyspraxic, who, you know, all of the, across all of the spectrum. And I think it can always be learned. I don't know that I think everybody should be an entrepreneur. Mm. I think it's not for everyone. Um, as you'll yeah. know, running your yes. own <laughs> business, it's, um, it's hard and, and you have to be willing for the challenge. Um, and and it's, it has to be in service of something for you. And I think that that's yeah. really important. You touch on that, that, you know, you're you're American and obviously working in the UK. Do you see a big difference in terms of the work that Escape does in the UK as to how that approach would be adopted in the US? Mm, um, yeah, it's really interesting. So I've lived in the UK for 11 years and I um I found it really interesting when I first moved to the UK. At least from where I, I grew up, I'm from a family of entrepreneurs, so it was very normal okay. to me that that's you know that's 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 the that's kind of the life that I grew up in. But what I found really interesting when I moved to the UK was there was much more of a sense of your job is your identity, and I I don't get that as much in the US. And okay. I really, they really surprised me. I thought it was very interesting. And so I think that's something that I found really fascinating about, about living in the UK is kind of this, um, the identity challenge is, is mm. greater in the UK than it is in the US. And, and I actually ran, I've run a couple of programs in New York, um, the career change programs in New York. And it's a very similar, you know, London, New York, it's quite a similar yeah. economic picture, et cetera. But the identity thing is much greater in London than it was in New York. Wow. I think people were much more open to doing things that maybe weren't seen as being, you know, the, I guess the status thing. Or I don't know, there's something there that... Or is it that kind of American culture, if you work hard, you can achieve and you can do and be whatever you want to be is kind of ingrained, isn't it? In, yes. In the American psyche, nearly. Yes. And I think there's something of... I use this example a lot and... Um, it's not it's not across the board, but if I was in the States and I met somebody and I said, I love my job, I was really happy, it was a really great opportunity for me and, and I work in a bakery, for example, people would say, oh, amazing, that's so great. They'd ask you about it, it'd be not a problem. Whereas if I said the same thing, and I have, I have worked in a bakery before, I say the same thing to people, um, some people that I've met and there's assumptions being made about you know, where did I go to school? What, you know, how much money do I mm. make? Like what class am I, you know, like social economic 
I don't know. There's a, there's more assumptions. There's, made nothing, there is a class hang up thing in the whole UK, isn't there? Which clearly you don't have to the same degree in the US. The no, I think that thing of you can be anything you want to be yeah. gives people permission that whatever they want to be is okay as long as they're actively choosing it. And I yeah. think that's the that's the bit that I'm hoping we're moving towards also in the UK of whatever that is is fine if you want to run a bakery you want to work in a bakery you want to be an accountant whatever it's, it's as long as it's meaningful for you and i think that's yeah. we have to be more accepting of what's meaningful to other people and, and not just to us and i absolutely agree with that i've got two girls 11 and 16 and from an early age i've said to them they just be you know do what you know have the opportunity i didn't do be whoever you want to be do whatever you want to do just promise me you'll apply yourself and be the best that you can be at doing yeah. that. That's all I want for them, you know? And yeah. it, it, But it's that kind of whole approach and attitude, isn't it? Yeah, and it, it makes such a big difference. I'm, you know, it's, I, I think the impact of you saying that to your daughters will have a big, that, that message really does um, make a huge impact to what people feel like they're permitted to do. You know, we're always looking for permission. And, and if somebody influential in your life when you're younger can give you those sorts of messages but also as an adult if somebody can say look just do what makes you happy that's totally fine that would be the best thing that you could do yeah. um i think that message is so important to uh, to helping us to kind of um become a bit more untamed you know i think we're all i, I don't know if you've ever read glennon doyle or heard of Glennon Doyle she's an no, American author and she's written a book called Untamed which I just love which okay. is all about how we've all learned how to become quite tamed and you know you have to do this and you have to do that and you have to be this certain way and this is what it means to be a woman or a professional or whatever and kind of decoupling that and being whatever you are and and like that's actually really wonderful and I think we all probably need a bit more of that and accepting that that's who you are as well, I suppose, isn't it? Because that's another challenge. But, oh, right, yeah. it's a new book for my reading list, Untamed. Okay. <laughs> um, we can't do a podcast at the moment, Sky, without stopping and thinking a little bit about the pandemic. And I'm interested to see what insight you've got on the kind of, from the people you're now talking to 15 months into the pandemic, that kind of future of remote working. Because on one hand, there's considerable benefits, but it does bring that isolation, that remoteness and... And therefore, what do you think is going to happen? Another big question. What, what do you mm. think is going to happen with this kind of more flexible working, remote working? What are people that are coming to you saying the impact it's having on them? You got any insights for us? Oh, yes. Yeah. So we um, we did a census of escape, um, the escape community not very long ago and had about 2000 people do this census. And we asked them specifically about their experience of remote working and, and the pandemic and how it's impacted them. And um, it's really interesting. As you say, it's there's there, it's a tale of two halves, really, it really yeah. is. Um, and it's not it's not been felt evenly, I would also say. So okay. um, so for example, if you are somebody who has a spare bedroom or you know you have more space and economically probably are in a, in a better position and could make an office or have the space then people have had a much better experience mm -hmm. um and people who don't maybe more junior roles or or you know economically are living in different situations they're living in a shared flat etc have had a really hard time because they don't mm -hmm. have the space and they've been 
you know, forced to work in their bedroom and they might not have a living room and, you know, all of that stuff, which is all those same four walls kind of feeling. Yeah. The mental health, well-being piece. Yeah, exactly. So I think um, I think what's very interesting about it is that historically it was something always that people really wanted. They wanted flexibility. They wanted to work remotely. You know, it's like the number one thing that one people wanted. And now obviously we've had this forced experiment, the whole, you know, many, many people (laughs) have had this experiment of what is it like to work at home all the time? And, um, and what I'm seeing is, first of all, I think there's going to be a huge amount of movement in the job market because you can't get it right for everybody. So as an organization, if you're saying, well, we're going to all go back to work full time, you're going to lose loads of people because people have decided, actually, they don't want to do that and they don't need to do that. And so why would they? And then also people who are saying, well, actually, we're going to be totally remote. They're also going to lose people because a lot of people don't want that. And there's this kind of hybrid. I think we will see a hybrid approach. Mm. I think we'll also see a lot of people moving and into jobs that fit their needs a bit better Mm -hmm. which is probably good um but i think that's that's definitely going to be i think the future um you'll see a lot more people will have to be flexible they have to because we've all had to be adults we've all had to trust people a lot more as employers and and um and learn better communication skills and you can't really say you can't do it because they just have for 18 months you know it's, it's impossible to, to say Been proven that it can be done can't exactly be. so i think that's going to be an interesting thing and then but also i think there's going to have to be a lot more frameworks around remote working to make sure that people can have boundaries because that mm. is definitely has been an issue i was amazed it was actually heartbreaking some of the responses that people said in the census of the negative aspects of mm. of home working and you know, things like they were expected to work more hours and so they burnt out and they, they had to leave their job because their mental health was deteriorating from all the hours that they had to work. And, you know, not having a commute meant that they were just in the same room all mm. the time. So and There's no on-off switch type thing, no. No, and I think organizations will have to better support their employees to have boundaries like personally but also to set up the frameworks to support Mm. people to have those things um because there is a risk of course of of people's mental well-being and also understanding that the ability to work remotely is largely based on someone's economic status and what their setup is like and so you can't just assume that everybody can just do that and and that's just as it is you have to be able to support people to to be able to have a co-working space or or a setup or or uh, enable them to do it you've got to be able to treat people as individuals haven't you that's the thing i suppose but they have this kind of as you say you know great word framework around it that supports everybody and gives people some boundaries and some rules and a playing field to kind of play on we went out to our teams someone last year and said what do you want what's going to work for you and we've ended up with a hybrid Mm. model you know Mondays Wednesdays when we can will be mandatory in the office days team together get the spirit you know that essence that makes us different make sure we don't lose that and then some flexibilities Mm. over Tuesdays Thursdays Fridays but they came up with some suggestions and we molded Mm. that thought right as a business what meets our objectives that we can fulfill their needs but um yeah it's a different world isn't it we've we're it's hard emerging into a different place and it's exciting 
Yeah, it is. I I feel excited about it because I feel like now, and you're based in you're based in Dorset. I'm based in Brighton, and I am. Um, I feel like this is enabling really the UK to be a bit more. I don't want to use the word devolved because that feels quite political, but the um, <laughs> but to be a bit more um, even, if that yeah. makes sense. You know, people being able to live and exist in a place, and yeah. not just everybody having to go to London or a big city, but actually enabling, I'm hoping some, you know, villages to thrive, you know, having more people around, giving people a better quality of life because they can't afford to buy a house in, in Edinburgh or, or in London yeah. or in some of the hotspots, but actually they can afford to buy something that gives them a better quality of life. And I'm hoping that employers and, and the whole system will support people to live their best lives really um yeah and i think they have to be flexible for that to be the case and involve them in the process as you've done of asking people what what do you want what are your ideas and and really yeah. making that feel a bit more co-created rather than just we've decided that's yeah. instead of the dictatorial approach but prior to the pandemic we were five days a week in the office we were really traditional you know, it's scary for me to say it now, but, you know, and, <laughs> and we probably had some of those trust issues and all of those kind of things, you know, and pandemic just proved that that was, you know, it's great. It just doesn't exist. It's, yeah. you know, it, you know, the people are great and, and, and all of those, all those kind of things. I suppose, are you already seeing an uptake um, and an uptick in escape around people now looking to change careers? Or do you think people will wait until mm. the world settles down a bit? and that happens yeah i think so it's interesting over the course of the pandemic obviously having both a job board and helping people with career change um during the height of the pandemic i guess a year ago um what we had was a lot of job seekers so a lot of people had lost their jobs and were looking out of necessity and not very many job openings and people the the whole career change thing really felt like it was on hold for a lot of people people were thinking about it and thinking mm, do i really want to do this or i think everybody had to recognize what was important to them in the last year you know you have so much time on your own and away from family and friends and um but i think now i would say probably since march maybe february a lot more emphasis on career change so people asking about it people reading you know articles about it people engaging with you know workshops that we're doing and and in the census there was something like 70 percent of people said they wanted to change the industry they worked in and so it's a huge yeah it's going to be a big a big shift i think and i suppose it's not necessarily those corporate roles but we're seeing some industries already go through that aren't we the, the shortages in the hospitality sector because people through lockdown and through being furloughed have found different careers and got off and done different things and, yeah. and have found they don't want to work in that sector. And I think, you know, I suppose all sectors will have that impact to a larger or smaller degree at some point in the months ahead, won't they? Yeah, I think as we, as people, I think people are feeling a bit, even though things are quite still, you know, it's all a bit, um, we're used to it now. We're used to it and yeah. it's a bit less chaotic than it was before. Um, I think people now have the space of, okay, things are getting back to some semblance of normal. Now it feels safer to move job. It feels safer to kind of go and do these things. And I think probably 2021, the rest of 2021 will be 
I would say like a great migration of people <laughs> changing and, and, and moving around and um, uh, it would be really interesting to see who's yeah. who struggles and who is very successful and you know from an industry perspective which industries really struggle and which are able to really keep people because I think that it will um, yeah people's priorities and anybody who doesn't have flexibility I think is going to really yeah. have a hard time. Which is interesting because I see also um, it's cropped up in a couple of the podcasts recently, but your B Corp, so yeah, business with yeah. purpose. So, and I, I think that's going to be one of the things that people look for, isn't it? They're going to want mm. to work for the organisations that have values and have purpose. Yes, but also crucially are a good place to work. And I think yeah. that is the, obviously I'm sure you've seen the brew dog, all of the brew dog um stuff that's been going on over the last couple of days which is um always upsetting to see but we ran something um earlier in the year called the escape 100 where we assessed organizations based on six criteria being um mission uh environmental impact um their team policies the people planet purpose uh we had their employees vote for them so they could do it anonymously to rate their employers how how good of a place is it to work we also got to see on the inside what people's policies were like and um that that had so much i mean it was just i couldn't believe how much traction that had in terms of the number of people who are interested in firstly being a part of the list Hmm. and secondly um who were interested in who won and the attention that those people had um, because people do want to work for an organization with purpose. You know, B Corp is an amazing stamp. It's a really great, you know, certification. It's very rigorous. Um, all of the, I'm going through the recertification process at the moment, and there's so much stuff you have to do, but it is important. But also, you can't just be purposeful, but then, I guess, rinse, rinse your employees because of mm. purpose. Like, I, I think often in charities, for example, you can get this kind of moral tax of, you kind of are you're paying with your energy for the privilege of doing something purposeful and i think that increasingly as more and more companies are being purposeful they also have to be purposeful for their teams and good Mm. to the people that they you know their stakeholders just as much as whoever it is that they're trying to benefit so i think um that will be an interesting yeah it's an interesting shift in dynamic that's gonna happen isn't it definitely yeah yeah, and going back to talking about entrepreneurism and entrepreneurs and the, the effect that social media is perhaps having, because there's this kind of perception these days that anybody mm. can start their business, which in part is true, and everybody will be successful. And mm. you get the kind of, um, you know, Instagram posts of all of the trappings and all the things that come with it. And, you know, the reality is running your business is nothing like that. And, you know, very mm. few achieve those things but do you think it's encouraging people to come into the world of being an entrepreneur starting their own business under false pretenses and you know do Mm. you see that when people are coming to you are they misaligned between what the kind of social media perception is and what the reality is um definitely I think that's the same across um all of society though I think it's really I, yeah, as you say, it's particularly with p- things like Instagram, you know, it's uh, Instagram is somebody's highlight reel of their life or their business. 
and we're comparing our behind the scenes with somebody else's highlight reel and that's always going to be a difficult you know it's always like really just far like apart, miles apart. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and it's um obviously not good for our mental health generally but yeah i think that there is a perception i have seen a lot of people come to escape for example wanting to start a business because they've seen that it looks you know they want to be their own boss because it looks glamorous or it looks like you know that they could do that or somebody so and so is doing this app and I want to do an app and and I find um I mean we always encourage people to really to firstly figure out what their why is like mm. why are you starting something because if you don't have a very strong why you're not going to make it very far because the first sign of trouble you're like well stuff this I'm, not I'm, out. I'm checking out <laughs> yeah, this I'm, I'm out. yeah <laughs> you have to have a strong why and i think it, a lot of people get into trouble because they think oh i've got an idea for an app or for whatever this thing is and i've seen that looks quite easy and it looks quite glamorous they go and they think oh i'll just raise some money and then they get themselves into really difficult circumstances where they don't really like doing it there's huge financial pressure of because they've taken investment and um yeah it can really it, it's not a good situation so i think there is definitely a role that i think there's a responsibility of anybody running a business to be very transparent about really what that's like yeah. because as you know it's really hard especially in the last 18 months has been heartbreaking yeah. for most people in a lonely a place for a lot of business owners and entrepreneurs isn't it and, and, yeah. founders, you know. and who can you talk to you know it's 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 um it's difficult you you know if you have to make people redundant or you you're having to you know, you're just trying you're just awake at night trying to make ends meet or whatever it is it's really challenging and i think um i think not that you want to be all doom and gloom about how you know it's it can be an amazing vehicle for a, a much better life and 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 purpose for people but it's also i think there's a responsibility for people who are just putting out all the the highlight reels to just really be more transparent because yeah. nobody's life is like that it's just not how it is being a business owner and being a founder is just an amazing experience and it has so many highs, but it is a roller coaster yeah. and the lows are low. And, you know, however you succeed, and you know, it's just never a linear path, is it? And I think no. the more people understand that and the more people see that, then actually, they're, as you say, they're better able to cope hmm. when they hit the first brick wall because they yes. will and they'll understand it. And, you know, part of the evolved thing is building a community of like-minded individuals that can support each other and say mm. this is what it's like and, and and in the good you know when somebody's having a good time there's usually a counterbalance of somebody struggling and can they support each other and help each other through you know that's it's that sense of community isn't it which yeah. I know is that, that sense of community is something that you're really proud of creating an escape isn't it yeah it's so important and what you know what you're doing bringing together business owners and and founders and the work that we've done and and the community is that's the that's that's what it is like that is it it's not about the business it's not about it's really about the people and, and people supporting each other and it's so important if you are starting a business to be a part of a community because it's hard on your own and the same with career change it can be very lonely you know because everybody goes through it at a different time and it's not necessarily your peers won't be in the same place at the same time and I think, you know, finding your tribe and, uh, yeah, being a part of people who have the same aspirations as you do that you can be really honest and vulnerable and real with 
is a fundamental part to being able to manage the you know the the inevitable ups and downs of of life and work really definitely i suppose we're coming on to the subject of bravery and you mm. released a great video on how to be brave sky um, in which you speak about bravery becoming a habit and you know courage over comfort which are you know great pieces of advice and some great stuff there so i suppose as a more of a personal question to you how have you had to be brave in your life and what advice would you give to someone who wants to learn to be more courageous Mm, I was thinking about I was thinking about this and I was thinking hmm, how how what's oversharing <laughs> <don't> <laughs> share as much or as little as you like to the degree right. in which your comfort sky all right all right well that's courage over comfort isn't it um I think uh, well I would say a lot of things so firstly moving abroad so obviously mm. the day after I turned 18 I moved to France and I didn't speak any French and okay. I didn't know anyone. And I went to learn French because I really wanted to learn. Um, and I think when you're 18, you're much braver naturally. I think yeah. you are when you're a bit older, but I think that was a big, I never thought it was brave, but I guess looking back at it, it was. And I was drawn to something. So I was listening to something and um, my, um, I, I've always had a very strong why. So my brother was killed in an avalanche when I was um, 16 and uh, that was a really big wake-up call for me and obviously you know quite a traumatic mm. experience and and it's driven me to do a lot of things in my life um, but always to you know I guess like aspire to live a better life because you don't know how long or how short your like life might be. Life. Yeah. yeah and so that's always been a big driver for me and I've always thought I'm going to always do do the do what I can. Whenever I can do something, I'm just going to do it. Say yes. Um, yes. Yeah, say yes. I'm a yes. I'm definitely a yes person. Um, I like from a very personal perspective. I, I um, a few years ago, I went through a divorce, and that was really difficult. Mm. Um, and having to reinvent your life and and you know community in in a different country, I think that was really challenging for me and and making decisions that are the best thing for you and 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 for 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 the other person and i think that was a really challenging experience but i guess traumatic experience but something that requires you know a lot of people just stay in things that are not right for them whether it's a job or a relationship or yeah. a, a circumstance because it feels too hard to to move forward and i think um that for me was was yeah that was definitely a challenge and required some of that and how would I advise people other people to be more courageous with their life I think it's starting small and doing small what can you do small thing you could do every day or every week that just is a little bit scary mm -hmm. and reframing I guess the kind of fear as a positive thing so I know that if something makes me nervous, it's probably a growth opportunity for me. There's something in there that I can learn from that I'm going to be able to grow through. And so I will say yes for things that are really terrifying to me because I, it, I know that if I feel that kind of feeling yeah, in my body, that kind of feeling, yeah, yeah that, that's probably the right thing for me to do because I'll learn from it and, and, and it's, um, 
it's it's making the choice to say yes to those things instead of staying in your comfort zone because we never learn there um the courageous decisions are always the ones that that help us to have a better life but also to help us believe in ourselves you know leaving a very difficult situation or doing making a very difficult choice you then look back at those things later and think well i did that and i can get through anything now and i think it's those kind of it's building that belief in yourself and knowing that right if you do something a bit scary you're going to believe in yourself a bit better next time and and so starting with small things and then yeah 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 that resonates with me i get that i get that tingly feeling and that's that moment where you need to push forward isn't it you need to push through into the feeling and go do it and grow as an individual and but i think there's a great piece of advice there you've just given is you see some people try and sort of jump from the highest diving board from the mm. start and will never therefore make the leap but small steps it's the same as making a habit or creating a habit isn't it don't go all the way just do the little steps all the way and become better or achieve your aims and your goals so some great yeah. advice there sky so as we wrap up the podcast i've got to end with one final question it is called the evolve to succeed podcast yeah. so what's your personal definition of success sky oh that's a great question personal definition of success my personal definition of success is if I can, at the end of the day and the beginning of the day, say to myself that I am doing something that makes me feel happy and that makes me feel alive and that's meeting my needs and that mine and no one else's. And I think that as, as a helper, as somebody who's like a massively a people pleaser, it's always a challenge. But um, I think success for me is all about making sure that you're, you look after yourself and, and you make sure that your, your definition of success is your own and you really own that and you live by that. And I think that's probably the bravest thing that anybody can do in their life is, is living by their own definition of success and, and fighting off all of the other ones that might be trying to invade Brilliant. I love that. And I've really enjoyed our conversation, Sky. Some really great insights there. If people want to find out more about you and more about Escape, where can they go? Yes, um, you can find me on LinkedIn, Sky Robertson. Um, but if you want to find out more about Escape, it's escapethecity.org. And we're on all the social channels. And yeah, um, be happy to chat to people and would love to people to get involved and Thank you so much for having me. Really appreciate it. And hopefully, hopefully some interesting stuff in there. Not too much oversharing, but um, yeah, thanks so much. Some great sharing and some great insights, Sky. Thank you for being a great guest. Pleasure. Pleasure. One of the things I enjoy most about being the host of this podcast is the privilege to speak to a variety of different guests and it's the honesty that they show in our conversations. It's such a privilege to sit down with individuals like Sky, who, even though we've only just met me, are willing to reflect deeply on their lives and careers and open up and sometimes even be a bit vulnerable. And I especially love that when a guest does this, it's in the hope that you, the listener, will take some valuable insight and learning from their honesty. I think Sky is a wonderful example of that, and it's also one of the reasons I started this podcast to inspire you by sharing great individual stories. 
I was also excited to hear about the work the Sky and the team at Escape the City do to encourage people to pursue their own meaning and how they've created this community of like-minded individuals who are there to support, connect and guide each other in both business and life. This idea, of course, aligns very much with what we're doing here at Evolve for like-minded business owners and leaders. And it was so encouraging to hear from individuals like Sky and an organisation like Escape the City whose mission is the same. Thank you for listening. And if you do want to learn more about Evolve, then please do go to evolvemembers.com. You can register there for our weekly insights and newsletter, as well as learn about the services that we offer at Evolve, including our peer groups, one-to-one coaching, courses for teams, as well as our lovely co-working space in Ashley Crossing Pool. And if you are a business leader in Dorset and Hampshire, then I'm really excited to be able to say that through the Dorset LEP and the Solon LEP, we have some fully funded peer network and peer group programs that we can offer to you. So if you want to learn more, again, go to the website or please call the team. I really do hope you've enjoyed this episode. And if so, please help us by rating, reviewing and subscribing and listening to future episodes. Thank you for listening.